Last week, how many of you were here last week, heard Pastor CJ? Pastor CJ spoke a very bold message on preferences and entitlement. And I want to pick up on the very last leg of that, but then continue on on how we resolve that, how we come out on the other side of that. Uh, but, uh, but I want to spend just a couple moments talking a little bit about some of that. And, and, Rome, and essentially it means self-centered living. It means focusing on ourselves. And in Romans 8, 5, uh, listen to what the words of Paul, uh, what Paul says. He says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. If you're, uh, if you're focused on yourself, you're going to be focused on the flesh. Your mind is going to be consumed with the things that you want, your preferences, your entitlements, those types of things. If it's focused on what the Spirit wants, uh, it's going to be focused on what the Spirit desires, the Spirit of God. Eugene Peterson, I'm going to read the passage, the same passage and add a couple of verses uh, from the message, uh, the author of Eugene, uh, Eugene Peterson, and how he paraphrases this. Listen to what he says and how he, how he articulates it in, uh, in his words. Those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle, but never get around to exercising in real life. It's kind of like what James says. You know, you say you believe, but you never really demonstrate it. Um, He says, those who trust God's action in them find that God's spirit is in them, living and breathing God. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads us out into the open, into a spacious, free life. He goes on to say, focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God, ends up thinking more about self than God. That person who, that person ignores who God is and what he is doing, and God isn't pleased about being ignored. It's this concept, again, of self, self-centered living. Thinking about ourselves, okay? Now, I get that we're all human. I get that this is a tension that we live in. It's like a gray space. It's like a, it's like a tension of being pulled from one side to the other. Paul talks about that in some of his other writings too. But there is a difference in living in one side or completely, or completely in one side or completely in the other. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today because there is that struggle. And it's that struggle of understanding and how to do that. And I want to talk about the how to do it. And it kind of relates to my oldest son who is in the Young Five programs. He's six, but he's in the Young Fives, getting ready to start kindergarten next year. And those of you that have kids probably have, uh, that are at this age or have been there can understand where I'm coming from. He, uh, where he goes to school, Madison, they use the collar system, okay? And he, when I say the collar system, there's like, um, I'm trying to help him understand there's a batch of collars above. He kind of understands the batch of collars here, and that's not where we want to be, right? No, we don't want to be here. Am I, are you with me? Are we good to go? I know. You understand this, right? I, I'm confused because I'm trying to teach him this and it's not getting through. So you can see that I'm confused as well. All right. So anyhow, he's got, so I'm trying to get him to understand there's another batch of colors and this is where we need to live in. Okay. This is where we need to camp out. And so we're talking and, and, and you get down their level and you, try, and you've been there before you exhaust every mode of thinking you have, everything that you can possibly say you've communicated to them. I'm like, Hey, good choices get good things, bad choices get. Bad thing. So you guys know this. So I'm trying to teach the, teach him this, you know. And so he comes home and he hates to get in trouble. You know, he doesn't like to be in trouble because if he gets in trouble at school, he gets in trouble at home. And so, you know, I'm trying to teach him, you know, that hey, when the teacher says to stop making 
body sounds with your mouth, that means you can't do that anymore, right? That means you made a bad choice, but you continued to do it, and that was even a worse choice, okay? So I'm trying to teach him this stuff, and I'm like, if there's a snake laying in front of you, would you stick your hand in front of it? No, why? Because it would bite me. Exactly. These choices, right? This is where we're at today. Because for us, in that human side, we like to live out, we like to live it out over here. I want what I want. I want what I want, and if I don't get what I want, you're going to pay for it. Right? That's why you guys have volatile conversations, violent conversations with your spouses at times, is because you want what you want, and if you can't get what you want, someone's going to pay. And we're going to have discussions. And if something's not my way, I'm going to talk with you, or I'm going to do whatever I have to do to get what I want, because I want what I want. And some of us camp out over here on this, this side that says, I want what I want. If I want to make body sounds with my mouth because other kids find it funny, I'm going to do that because I want what I want. Well, there's consequences that have to be paid for that. Just like when we camp out in our spiritual states, when we camp out in this mode, like Pastor CJ was talking, where I want what I want. It's like what James says. The reason why you guys quarrel and fight is because you, 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 you're right here and you want what you want and you can't get what you want so you fight and you quarrel and you get all upset with one another. Well, I want to talk to you about that today because that's not healthy living. If you are a Christian, if you have Christ, the Spirit of God living inside of you, you this is not where we want to be. And when we have the Spirit of God living inside of us, there are a few things that happen. And I want to share with you very quickly a few things and then kind of the, the disillusionment and the solution. But there's three things that happen when we have Christ's Spirit living inside of us. It means that I begin that I can think differently. When you invite Christ into your life, when you allow Christ to come into your life and you say, I accept that free gift of salvation, it also means that you're accepting Him into your life to be the director of your life, to be the one who calls the shots, to be the one that calls the direction, that sets, that sets the pace, that sets the tone, that sets the direction, that gives you the wisdom and all this other stuff to do the things that He wants you to do. You begin to think differently. Before you had Christ in your life, you camped out over here in the I mode that says, I want what I want. And if it feels good, that's what I'm going to do because that's what I want. It's all about me. Now, hopefully when you've accepted Christ in your life, there's been this switch. There's been this radically shift in your thinking that says, I've got a new nature. I don't necessarily want those things anymore. Now, again, we're human. There's times where we get drawn and and there's that tension at times. But for the most part, we should be individuals that says, my mind has been changed. I have a new nature. I want the things of the Spirit. I want what God wants for my life. I want my life to look like, look, look like His. And so that, that's, the, that's this whole spiritual thing. We begin to think differently. We, we, um, instead of going in one direction over this way, we begin to go in God's direction. Because of God's new nature in our lives, because of His Holy Spirit, we begin to think radically different. But here's the choice. This is the humanness. Here's the choice. The Bible lays it out very clearly. We have a choice either to think of the sinful nature or we have a choice of thinking of the spiritual stuff. 
You still, I mean, we live in that tension that says, am I going to give into this stuff and live in the, in, the, in the fleshly nature of things? Or am I going to live in the things that I know that God wants? I'm going to dwell over here on the spiritual side. It's not just good or bad either. It may not be sinful. It may not be sinful things that pulls us, like preferences and entitlements and stuff like that, although they may be sinful, but it's, it's God's Spirit at work in our lives that says we need, to, we need to think differently and be controlled by this new nature. It's two different ways of living. And because we've asked Christ into our life, we should be thinking differently now. That's God's gift to you. He says the same, Paul tells us that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit that lives in us. And because of that, one of the things that happens is that we think differently. If you're constantly thinking about yourself, you need to go back and take a look. You need to go back and take a look because you are a different person if you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Another thing that happens is we don't only think differently, but we also live differently. It says the mind, that verse, the mind of the sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Notice it doesn't say, notice it doesn't say will be dead. It doesn't say the mind of the sinful man will be dead, uh, you know, looking to the future, although that's part of it now. Remember we talked about the here and the now? Some of us, we get so focused on that where it's like, well, I'm in the here and that's going to be now, you know, that's going to be the then, the now and the then. It's now, we, it's now. He says the mind of the sinful man, the mind of the sinful man is death. It's not going to be death, although it will be as well, eternal death. But it's saying right now, right now in the present tense, it is death. If you allow the sinful part of your flesh to control you and not the spirit control you, it leads to death. It says the other side of that is it leads to life and peace. When we dwell over here, it leads to life and, or leads to life, leads to life and peace. They're talking about it's talking about our present experience. If we set our mind on just what I want, just you know the things that are good for me, how I'm going to make it through life, how I'm going to oppress people, all that stuff, it says that that is not life and peace. Life and peace is about about choosing to to spend our our are uh, thinking over here in the in the spiritual side of things in the uh, I should say the spirit. So here's the simple choice: death or life. But it's death or life right now in the present as well in our everyday lives. So it's it's saying: Am I going to be someone that's going to go out into my world and allow the world to influence and shape my thinking, or am I going to allow the word of God to influence and shape my thinking and b- literally bury this old self and begin to live in this new self? But when we decide to live by God's Spirit, that's where the life is. For some of us, we constantly look right here for that life, and we can't find it. And I'm going to share with you a few moments what that looks like. But we look at, we look at it over here in the things that we think is going to provide it, which it never does. It's always the Spirit. That is the choice, allowing Christ to influence us by His Spirit. The third thing is this, my nature, my new nature means that I can relate to God differently. Without God in my life, because of the old nature, we are considered hostile towards God. God sees us in hostility. Romans 8.8 8 says those controlled by the sinful nature can't please God. They cannot please God. In verse 7 it says why? Because their minds are set 
on the sinful nature which is hostile towards God and it doesn't submit to God's law. It can't do so. It never will. It never really wants to because you want to have the power, the power to make the difference. It's hostile towards God. When that leadership changes, when we say, God, I invite you into my life, and however you want to word it, I'm no longer the director, I'm no longer in, this, in, in charge, I'm no longer the CEO, whatever words you want to use, when you shift that leadership to say, God, I'm submitting my life to you, that's when you begin to experience life and peace. That's when your nature begins to relate to God differently. The Spirit starts to do something, something amazing. It means that the gifts that you already possess, the personality that you have, your time, your talents, all of those things, they don't go away. God begins to take those things and redeem them and make them glorify Him. The, su- the success that you have, He uses it to glorify Him. The fun that you have becomes even more fun because you're doing it to glorify Him. And so, essentially, it means that the spiritual, being spiritual, means that God gets the glory for all the living that He wants you to do. If you're truly a spiritual person, you're going to think, you're going to live, and you're going to act and relate to God differently. That literally changes everything. You want to break out of this? Focus on these, this new nature that God has planted inside of you. Now, let me share with you the problem. This is the problem. We talked about it last week, but let me share with you the problem. The problem is we live in the temporary, and then there's the eternal. You and I live in the temporary. Our mind is so wrapped around the temporary that we struggle understanding the eternal. We become so focused and, and focused in on the temporary, these, these 90 or 100 years that we live, which is a short span of time if you think about it, that we, we focus so much in the temporary because that's what we experience all the time. And it's hard for us to look out and understand this concept of eternity. But that's what happens, and that's where we really get wrapped up. We lose perspective of the eternal things and we focus so much on the temporary things and there is a balance one of the first things that happens is we become fooled by time chronos okay time the now and the then and so just again the eternity the temporary and the eternity let me share with you what john says in revelation in revelation 22 it says then the angel showed me water of life showed me water of life river crystal bright it flowed from the throne of god And the lamb, right down the middle of the street, the tree of life was planted on each side of the river, producing twelve kinds of fruit, a ripe fruit each month. The leaves of the tree are for healing the nations. Never again will anything be cursed. The throne of God and of the lamb is at the center. His servants will offer God's service, worshiping. They'll look on his face, their foreheads mirroring God. Never again will there be any night. No one will need lamplight or sunlight. The shining of God, the Master, is all the light anyone needs, and they will rule with him age after age after age. John goes on to say this in Revelation chapter 7 I looked again and I saw a huge crowd, too huge to count. Everyone. Everyone was there, all nations and tribes, all races, all languages. And they were standing dressed in white robes and waving palm trees, standing before the throne and the Lamb and heartily singing, Salvation to our God on His throne. Salvation to the Lamb. All who were standing around the throne, the angels, the elders, the animals, fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, singing, Oh yes, the blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving, the honor and power and strength to our God forever and ever. Oh yes. How does that relate to you and I? Guys, let me share something with you. When it comes to time, 
I can tell you what you're going to be, if you have Christ living inside of your life, I can tell you what you're going to be doing for eternity, and that's worshiping God. That's not temporary. That's eternal. We are going to spend eternity worshiping God. You know what that means? That means right now, when you're thinking about your pot roast in the oven burning, it's going to get burnt to a major crisp to go to eternity. It's no longer focusing on those temporary things when we come into a worship service like this where we say, oh, I don't like that song, or oh, that's too loud, or oh, the lights are too bright, or I don't understand this, 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 or this. Because what happens is we focus down into our preferences and we say, I want this, I want this, I want this, and, and it's not going to be about that for eternity. Eternity means it's not about you, it's about God. It means we're going to be surrounding the throne of God, that we're going to be surrounding the Lamb of God, literally worshiping Him Forever. For eternity. I understand that we think about these things and it's hard for us to, to think about eternity. But I, I kind of get amused sometimes when I have conversation. People say, man, when I get to heaven, I'm going to go look up so-and-so. Or I'd like to go talk to so-and-so and find out you know, the answers to this. Guys, I have a sneaking suspicion that that's going to be the last thing on your mind. We're going to be standing in the presence of God. Right now, you and I, we, if you think that you have the full, the, the full picture of God based upon what you've experienced, you're being extremely disillusioned. Our minds can't, can't fathom the vastness of God. And when we go to heaven and we take on this new body and we, we are standing there before God, it's, it's then that we're going to stand in His presence and we're going to realize the magnitude and the vastness of God. And we will be standing there for eternity from age to age to age to age worshiping the Almighty One, the risen Savior, the Lamb of God. It's not about, see, it's easy for us to get focused on the temporary. It's easy for us to say, oh man, you know, I've got this going on in life. I've got this happening and this happening. And I, this demands my attention. That's where we get disillusioned. And if we can somehow grab a hold of that and say, it's not about the temporary. It's not about you and me. It's not about my preferences. It's not about the things that I like or dislike. It's not about those things. It's about something so much bigger, so much grander, so much more with vastness. That's when we begin to catch more glimpses of the kingdom of God. Let me share with you another disillusionment that we have from the temporary to the eternal. Number two, And we've talked about this many times. What we worship isn't God at all a lot of times. There are false, they are our false gods in our preferences. You and I get so wrapped up in our preferences where we get down and our heads are, sh- are pushed down. We're looking down and we're saying, if I could just have this, if I could just have this, my life will be content. I will be fulfilled. If we would just do this, if my spouse would do this, if my kids would do this, if this would happen or whatever it may be, we look down and we look at these things and guys, that is the definition of an idol. An idol is when we look at things and we give it godlike attributes. That's not worship at all. Worship is looking up and seeing that there is so much more than what we can ever fathom. And that we do have false gods in our lives. And we've talked about this for, for months and months about how they are, they are our false gods in our preferences. The next thing. The disillusionment is this. We don't understand God's good intentions. We don't understand God's... What does that mean? That means deep down, 
that we believe that as soon as we give God full control of our lives, He's going to ask us to do something that we really don't want to do. He's going to ask us to do something that's going to take us out of our comfort zone. He is going to ask us to eradicate something within our lives that we have clenched onto forever. He is going to do something within our lives that we absolutely don't want Him to have control over. And let me share with you what there's one little word that's, that sums up all of that, and it's called trust. We don't trust God. We don't. I'll take one for the team. There are times within my life that I don't trust God. I know. You are human, and I know every single one of us sitting in here struggle with this from time to time. We don't trust God. And Jesus says this in the Gospels. He says, if you love me, you will obey me. And I'm going to say this. How in the world can you trust God if you can't obey Him? Or how in the world can you obey Him if you don't trust God? That doesn't make sense. We can sit and talk till Jesus returns. There's no way you're going to convince me that you, that, you, that you could say, I can obey Him without trusting Him. There's no way. Because what if He's going to ask you to do something that requires complete, implicit trust? And the, or, the only way you can do that is to obey. And if you don't trust Him, you're not going to obey Him. And we struggle with that. So what happens is we continue to live in our entitlements and in our preferences. We continue to live in them and we say, you know what, this is what it is. And if we can somehow control these things, then that's, that's where it's at. And we're being disillusioned by the enemy. So, let me share with you the solution. And I get kind of amused when we say that. Hey, here's the solution, here are the answers. Here are some things I think the Bible teaches And I think that it gives credence to what we're talking about. And I think this would extremely help us if we struggle in this whole concept of living in in self-pursuit and entitlements and our preferences. Number one, devote more of your time to the kingdom. Devote more of your time to the kingdom work. I think what happens is, with all of these, we're going to talk about time, treasure, talents, and our skills and our dreams. Those things literally takes the focus off of ourselves and places it on God. Places it on God's Spirit. When we start looking at the kingdom, we say, look, I want, I want to be part of something much larger. And I'm going to devote more of my time to the kingdom work. It literally gets our, our eyes off of ourselves onto something else. I think it's what Jesus was teaching in the Gospels where he said, take a look at your treasure because that's where your heart's going to be. When you start identifying your treasure, that's where your heart is. You make your treasure things that are of the kingdom, that's where your heart's going to be. I'm going to share with you a couple examples. of These are literal examples of individuals that have done just this. You may scoff at them and say, there's no way I could try that, but I'm going to throw them out there for you. One individual went to his employer and said, I want a four-day work week because I want to give more time to the kingdom. How about give up more to live on how about give up more of your things so that you can live on less, so that you can devote more of your time to the kingdom? Every time I come back from a mission trip, I realize how much stuff I have in my life. And I don't know about you, but typically that stuff takes time away. So, I mean, you've got to manage that stuff. And so, what if we would take that stuff and lose some of that stuff and focus more of our time on the kingdom? How about use, use vacation time for a mission trip? That is reason, and I've shared this with you before. There's been the thought, hey, why don't we just take our money and just send it down there? Why do we, why do we, why do we want to take you know, all this money that we, that we use to, to send people? 
the main reason is because these people have a perspective shift. There's nothing like placing yourself in a third world country and see how other people live without all the stuff that we have. And talk about having, some, having a, a paradigm shift. What if we would take vacation time and say, I'm going on a mission trip and I, I want to just t- get, get out of this environment and take a look at something else. Take in an unwed mother who has no place to stay. These are just prime exa- These are examples that people have done where they said, you know what, I'm tired of focusing on myself. I'm going to shift my thinking. I want to have more of a kingdom mindset. These are literal, these are literal things that individuals did. The next one is devote more of your treasure to the kingdom. What if God said, I want you to sell your prized possession and give that money to someone who just lost a job? That's what someone did. That is, that is a literal example. Someone took one of their prized possessions, they took it, they sold it, and they gave that money to, their, to someone who had just lost their job. This year when we were in Honduras, we were talking about that during our devotions. We talked about stuff. What if God, what if God you know, is that stuff bad to have in your life? Other people don't have some of the things that we have. And, and is that necessarily bad? And, and, and it's, it's one of those things. What if God told us, I want you to go back. It's not bad to have those things. But I want you to go back and I want you to take those things. And I want you to sell them. And I want you to give them to the people that I'm going to put in your life. Would, would he be willing to do that? Or is that a foregone conclusion? We said, there's no way I would do that. Devote more of your talent to the kingdom. Let me ask you this. Why does the church always lose the best and the brightest? Why is it that when someone graduates high school or college that we encourage them to just go, hey, hey, the world's yours, man. Go out and grab the world by the tail. Go out, make a huge difference in the world. You ever heard people say, man, why don't you spend your, why don't you take a critical look at the church? Why don't you put your talents into the church? Develop your skills through training for the kingdom. Becoming more plugged in uh, to, to some of the things that's happening here. You know what? There's a reason why we don't have certain ministries taking place at Element. And it's, I know that some people believe we sit as a staff and say, well, we just want to really tick people off, so let's not do those things. Let me throw another thought out there to you. Maybe we don't have leadership to, to do some of those things. We need people that's going to step up and say, I have a heart for the kingdom. I have a heart. We've had some people that said, you know what? We have a, we have a heart for Motherwise. And we're, we want to get that going. We have a heart for a women's ministry. We have a heart for this and a heart for that. Let's get it going. That's what we need is people to use their skills through the training of their kingdom. How about this one? Dream more for your special task in the kingdom. Have you stopped dreaming? A couple years ago, we were in Honduras, and one of our devotions was just that. And, and I'm not trying to be... We have Pastor Keith on one end. And if you know our, one of our elders, Larry Hardy, they're a little bit older. They're on one end. Then we had some college kids on the other. And then throughout that, that space, we had all kinds of other individuals. So we had ages kind of represented through all generations. And the question is, what do you dream about? Now, that's a question you would ask someone that's in college getting ready to graduate, right? Hey, what is it you really dream about? What is it you're going to go out and do? What is it that, you know, where God may be leading you? What is it you really have your sight set on? That's a question you would ask someone that's kind of starting off in life at that chapter, right? What about a Pastor Keith that's 80 years old? Pastor Keith, do you still dream? Larry, do you still dream? It's kind of interesting they said, absolutely. I can't imagine what it would be like not to dream. 
For some of us, we get so wrapped up in our world of influence that it says, well, I'm at a certain age. It's time for me to sit down. It's time for me to retire. It's time for me to stop doing certain ministries. It's time for me to let the younger generation come up and do this or do that. Or I don't resonate with this, that, and the other, so I'm just going to quit and I'm going to sit down and do this and I'll just be an armchair quarterback and critique whoever else picks up the mantle. That's awesome if the Bible actually taught that. Nowhere in the Bible does it talk about retirement. And I'm not, ta- I'm not saying that Pastor Gail wants me to work till I die. I'm not saying that. I'm saying in the Bible, where does it say that we're not part of the kingdom? Where does the work of the kingdom end? My parents, this is a biased example, but I, it's the most recent when I had my parents are in the ministry and they're retiring. They're like 71, 72, something like that. And I was just talking to my mom and they've always lived in church parsonages, houses, and, and they're retiring and, and, and they're, they just purchased a house and they paid cash for it. And I'm like, that's awesome because when you die, that'll already be settled in your state. It'll make it much easier, you know? Oh, jeez. Can I talk to you guys? That's not deserving a laugh, but I don't want you to leave here and think, holy cow, listen to his heart. But you know one of the things she said? And I get that she's my mom, but she said this. We're closing this chapter of our lives. But we're praying, and we're so excited because God's going to use us, continue to use us in the ministry. Guys, I want someone to come in my office and tell me, at what point do you sit down and you say the kingdom work is done? At what point do we do that? At what point do you say, I don't have the time, I don't have the treasure, I don't have the talents? Because the last time I checked in the Word of God, that is the reason why we have been saved. Paul says we have been saved to do good works for the building up of his kingdom. This is so much greater. And when we get focused down here, this is nothing but self-centered preferential living. This is not the way it's supposed to be. In our teaching today, Paul says that that teaching leads to death. That mindset leads to death. That mindset leads to a dead end. If you want life and peace, it's focusing over here and allowing the, the, the Holy Spirit of God that He's placed inside of you to have full control. And you are kingdom constituents. You are kingdom builders. We're not focused on ourselves. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 8, 12 through 14 in the message. He says it this way. So don't you see it that we owe this old do-it-yourself life one... We don't owe this old do-it-yourself life one red cent. There's nothing in it for us. Nothing at all. The best thing to do is give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. God's spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. Guys... The kingdom's still being developed. There are people that are far away from God. There are people that are in your influence. You have friends. You have co-workers. You have students that you sit with at school. You have people you go to get your hair cut. You have restaurants that you love to go and you've developed relationships with a wait staff. There's all kinds of people that's in your sphere of influence where God is saying, I want to continue to build my kingdom. And He's wanting to use you to be a part of that. 
the question is, will you be a part of that? Are you focused more on yourself and your entitlements and, and your preferences and all these other things? Or are you going to be someone that goes out and you are able to see God has given you the eyes to see and the ears to hear the individuals that he's drawing to him and you get to be a part of that? That's what it means to be kingdom-minded. We're not done. God's not done. And he's wanting to use each and every one of us. The question is, who are you focusing on, yourself or on God? We're going to close with a couple of songs. And I would just ask that you would use this time to allow the Spirit of, for you to encounter God. And that you would just encounter His Spirit right now this morning to, to see where you're at. And maybe today's the day you make that shift. Today's the day where you say, you know what? I'm tired of living for myself. This isn't about me. It's about God. No wonder I'm always discouraged. No wonder I'm always depressed. No wonder I'm always frustrated. Because I'm making it all about me. This isn't about me. It's about God. So maybe that's the conversation that God wants to have with you this morning. And He's going to press hard upon your heart right now. But I pray that you would just use this time to worship Him and allow Him to just encounter your spirit. Father, I I give you thanks for this teaching this morning, for the challenge that it has. And I pray that it would just rip us. If we're not in the spot that we need to be, God, I pray that it would just, you would make us very uncomfortable. And that we would understand why that we're uncomfortable. And that's because we're out of sync here. And so I pray, God, that you would just take this opportunity to allow us to encounter you. And God, if our hearts need to be turned back to you, please help us to make that decision, that choice. And help us to begin to live in that moment of of life and peace. God, as we close here today in song, just, again, let this be a special time. Touch our hearts. Let us encounter you. And we ask all this in the powerful name of your Son and our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.